Let me pose this question. Have you ever gotten up in the morning, I know that I have, looked at the news and the world around you, and you say to yourself, stop the world, I want to get off. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. I pose that question for a very simple reason. Lately, it just seems that everything in our world is just unraveling at an increasingly high rate of speed. And in spite of all the enormous amount of data and information and knowledge at your fingertips on a computer, a tablet, a smartphone, we as a people get dumber and dumber with each passing day. I I saw some college students being interviewed and somebody asked this college student, we're not talking elementary school, we are talking college student, and we're not talking community college here, we are talking one of the more prestigious colleges in the United States. And this student was asked a question, how many years is a quarter century? How many years is a quarter century? The student didn't know. Looked dumbfounded. Um, I, 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 and just stammered and stuttered. And why is this important? And then somebody said, well, uh, how long is a decade? Once again, crickets didn't know the answer. These are the people that are in these higher institutions of learning supposedly getting their college degrees along with a a pile of debt that'll crush them for many years to come. Now, you can ask them questions about transgenderism. You can ask them questions about pronouns. You can ask them questions that are pretty silly and stupid and they have an answer for it because that's what they're learning in their schools today, not just at the college level, but it is creeping into the high schools and the elementary schools. We are raising a generation, and how do I put this politely? And it's not everywhere yet, but it's getting there quick. We are raising a population of dependent young people that are incapable of caring for themselves understanding the reality of the world around them, and they're going to be, as the saying goes, sitting ducks, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to do anything. If they can't get it delivered by Uber, if they can't get a ride with somebody, if they can't have it delivered to their door, they they just don't know how to function. They are the ones that are well into the idea of the digital currency, because it's convenient for them. And they're very trusting of leftist governments looking after their their own good. And they trust artificial intelligence. I mean, how many college students are using AI to develop papers? Way too many. And we're finding out that artificial intelligence that has been lauded over the past year is, you know, what a great salvation to man. Well, who programs artificial intelligence? The woke and the spiritually broke. 
And this now is going to feed the narrative even more. It's going to be the one that says God is dead. It's going to be the one that minimizes people that have family values, and it's going to amplify the things that God detests. Now, I mentioned on yesterday's program, for those that hear the program Monday through Friday, this whole transgenderism movement is just insane. All these people have got this demonic mental illness and believing that they're in the wrong body and it has to be fixed. I, I need medication. I, I need to be altered. I need makeup. I need this. I need that. And because uh, I'm in the wrong body, I, I just know it. That is the leftist way. And I'm looking at this picture right in front of me of a man that is destroying his body because he was sold the illusion that becoming the opposite gender will fix all of his psychological problems, including alcoholism. And there is this man with a five o'clock shadow wearing a wig and wearing a dress and lipstick and trying to look like a female. And it's ridiculous. Ridiculous beyond words. And yet, he really believes that he is saving himself and he's bettering himself. Those of us that realize this is all wrong have got to recognize that in the long, in the long term, we will never fix all the ills of this world. And I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I get some people upset with me when I kind of imply that just voting the right people into office will solve everything. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna solve everything. Abortion's gonna go away. The transgender movement's gonna have an eye-opening experience and say we were wrong, and 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 the drag queens are gonna say we're gonna repent because we voted the right people into office, and we're not gonna try to come after your kids. Evil doesn't work that way, my friend. Absolutely, it does not. It just regroups and finds another soft spot to attack. Always has, always will. And so what is, if you're a Christian, what does the Bible tell us to do? Does it say that we are of this world and we need to fix this world and we need to do all this stuff because we're worldly? No, it doesn't. And this is where so many Christians get it wrong. They're so busy trying to fix the nation that they're allowing the churches to rot on the vine and collapse and die and shrink and be compromised. This is my big issue today with the church. We're so busy trying to fix our economy that we've forgotten about God's economy. How many of you listening. And I know that in some places where you may live, you may not have a network of people that are true believers in Jesus Christ. Maybe your churches have gone woke. I saw a story that comes out of Richmond, Virginia, of all places, a Baptist church bringing in drag queens. Yeah. 
Don't think all churches are safe, but don't think you're denom- just because your denominational name says something, don't believe that it's thoroughly safe anymore. Satan is alive and well, and he's trying to co-opt and corrupt your church. Not from without, but gradually from within. Christians are no longer the salt and light of the world. They just try to get along. How many times have you seen scripture misquoted saying, you shouldn't be judgmental. You need to be more understanding. I understand a lot. And I'm not being judgmental. I am just pointing out what the scripture says, what Jesus himself said, what the Bible has said for centuries. That's not my judgment. I am just basically showing from the fruits of what somebody does or says or acts. It's not a judgment call. I'm not judging anything. I'm just observing what they, by their own actions and their own words, are saying. And there's nothing forbidden in the scripture about that. We are to sound the alarm. We are to be the watchman on the wall. The watchman on the wall needs to warn the people of the coming danger. If we don't, then we're not doing our job. Now, a middle school teacher in Seattle, Washington, the Seattle public school system, and you want to know why I'm so emphatic about churches getting involved in the education of children, and if your church is not doing it or making plans to do it, then you need to reassess why you are even there. What are you doing? In Seattle, a pro-LGBTQ plus two-spirit whatever class activity was done by a middle school teacher. That's like your sixth, seventh, and eighth grade where students were told to write hateful letters, hateful letters, and these letters were then mailed to a parental right group called Moms for Liberty. And the letters included phrases such as, gay is slay and stop being a rat. I mean, this is some pretty, I'm looking at actual pictures of the letters received. Dear Moms for Liberty, you know, just condemning them. This is a middle school activity that this middle school is now woke, broke, spiritually dead, satanically infected, infested, and a dangerous place for any God-fearing parent to send their children. And don't fall into the trap that, well, it's, it's never going to happen in my school. You don't know that. Sure, that's Seattle kind of to be expected, like a Chicago or many other places around the nation where the Satanists of this world have crept into the institutions and are rotting them from the inside out, and they are coming for your children. It could happen anywhere, in any state, sooner than you think. In this particular case... This package full of these nasty cards, the school project from a nasty school, this was a social studies teacher by the name of Ann Christensen. And she's the coordinator of the Gay Straight Alliance at Jane Addams Middle School in Seattle. 
This is a public school having children write nasty grams to targeted organizations that the woke, broke, and satanic people do not like. They don't like being called out for their darkness and the sin. Now, when you try to reach out to that particular teacher, the school, and the district, you get an auto response saying, thank you for contacting me. I'm currently on a leave of absence and not checking email. If you have an urgent question, contact Assistant School Principal Madeline Benz. I look forward to connecting when I return. Well, the Seattle Public Schools, their statement on all this is, we are dedicated to fostering a welcoming, inclusive, and identifying safe environment for all of our students. We firmly uphold the rights of our students, staff, and families to express their authentic selves. Unless you're a Christian, (laughs) you can't pray in our building. You can't express your views. But if you are queer and LGBTQ, A+, or double spirit, or whatever, hey, we love you. And that's reflected in all of our policies and everyday practices. We love everything satanic, evil, and disgusting, and we hate Christians. Well, they didn't put it in so many words, but you can read between the lines pretty easy. And they said this was an independent activity and not part of the school curriculum. Oh, don't give me a break. You're trying to cover. You're trying to play duck and cover. Now, understand something. I'm surprised. I looked at the handwriting of these middle school students on the card, and I'm appalled. It looks as bad as mine, and I have arthritis in my and pain in my left hand. I'm a left-handed guy. Did a lot of work with tools, and I'm paying a price for it in my older age. Understand that close to 40% of the students fail to meet the grade level of English. About half of the students can't meet the grade level in mathematics. And about 35% can't meet the grade level in the woke sciences, which is all climate change anyway these days. And so people are questioning if the school was spending too much time on social justice causes and not academics. One commenter to all of this going on in, in, in Washington State and Seattle in particular revealed that a language arts teacher named Gabriel Herbertson proudly promoted anti-police propaganda and books. And th- this, is, this is insane. So, Ann Christensen, who, by the way, is A.E. Christians at seattleschools.org, just in case you would like to send her an email, And share your opinion because she seems to be wanting to share her opinion via her students with causes she despises. If you'd like her email, it is A-E, the word Christian with an S, so it's Christians, plural, A-E Christians at seattleschools.org. And maybe her inbox can be filled to the max. If you do write, do not be vile. Do not be as idiotic as as she is. Show the love of Christ 
and remind her that this is not her job to be indoctrinating children, but to be educating them with facts, not feelings. And, and then also, you may want to have a talk with Gabriel Herbison. Gabriel Herbison, who, by the way, pronouns are he and him. Isn't it nice to know that pronouns are all there? And he is G-E, Herb is son. That's G-E-H-E-R-B-I-S-O-N at seattleschools.org. And on and on it goes. It has come to the point you can't trust the schools anymore. And this is something I've been saying for ages. And I want you to understand that it's getting to the point that we need to literally have our own parallel world. We need to fight for our future. You know, I read another quick story that that may be fascinating to you. And this is not to promote an organization like Substack, which is a place you can find many authors. But things are changing. And a lot of people are waking up to the reality that too many of the big corporations, the big book companies, are now sold out to what I call the evils, (laughs) the dark side. They love evil. They promote it. And if you try to write a book that doesn't go in that direction, it's hard to get it published today. People are having to do things like crowdsourcing. To give you an example, there's a person by the name of Ellie Griffin, freelance writer, published her first installment of a new fantasy novel called Oblivion and did it on Substack under the title, We Will Create a More Beautiful World. Now, this individual had written in the past for magazines even like Esquire and Forbes and has picked up a few hundred paid subscribers. She's now making more than $30,000 a year from her writing, the most that she's ever made. She had to leave the traditional route because in the past you had to get an agent, then you had to get a book company for an advance, and you're lucky to sell, you know, get $10,000 for the effort and sell a thousand books. What it's saying is that you can reach more people by getting out of the system. The system is rigged. The system knows which books it wants to to push. And I'm seeing this from a lot of individuals these days, that we need this parallel publishing space because the legacy publishing houses have been declining thanks to a combination of of all this wokeness. And people are just getting tired of it. Education, we just talked about it a moment ago. Education in the United States is in a dismal state. It's in a dismal state in Canada and Europe. And even on the continent of Africa, I have to wonder what is going to happen. Number one, in Africa, too many of the news sources there are from despicable organizations like the BBC, which is just basically garbage political nonsense. If you're listening to the BBC for your news, you're being lied to. You need to find truth and get away from certain sources like the CBC, CTV in Canada, those two, terrible. ABC in Australia, they will lie to you. They they still are and they never will stop. Instead of trying to fix them, just turn your back and walk away. 
there's more of an influence in not feeding the beast. If you if you have a TV set and you're watching NBC Nightly News, turn it off. CBS News, turn it off. Don't feed the beast. Don't increase their ratings, which increases their income, to increase the money they can use to lie to you. We've got to become more separate from the world. And here's one other thing to consider. It's about a thousand years ago that King John was forced to sign a document called the Magna Carta to answer the question, should governments have any limits to their power? And the answer was yes. The state could no longer legally brutalize the population with impunity. And that ideal led to the triumph of human freedom in many parts of the world, transformed life on this earth and lives that were nasty, brutish, and short to lives that were flourishing with longevity. And it worked for a long time until around March of 2020 when things changed on a dime with the pandemic. Churches and schools closed, small businesses, not the big ones, not the woke ones, but but mom-pop businesses were decimated. People lost their jobs and their homes. The freedom to travel was curtailed. And censorship suddenly became the norm we had to abide by. Then you had bureaucrats that were in bed with the with the tech companies to silence dissenting voices, even voices telling the truth. And they got back to the idea of the vaccine passports, kind of like Soviet Union and Nazi Germany. Your papers, please. A central digital bank currency, the 15-minute cities, the, the mask and the mandates, all of it. And they were trying to ramp up to change the world. And people did fight back. And people are beginning to think we've got victories. But no, don't worry. They're working hard to have a comeback. You've got to be prepared not to be dependent upon their system, their science, their schools, their everything, their news media. You can't you can no longer be dependent upon Google for anything. Once again, Google will bias the search results of anything you look for. I did a little study the other day. I put in a couple of words to see what Google would come up with. And it was about corrupt government. And it always talked about Trump and everybody else and never talked about Biden, never talked about Hunter Biden. Those first hundred stories were always about everybody but. There is a political bias in these disgusting, creepy, oversized monopolies of information. And they are blessed by this current administration in Washington and every woke and broke government around the world. That's why I'm working diligently to increase the use of shortwave. It's kind of hard to censor what I'm saying on a signal that can cross international borders. I am. I know this program is out there as a podcast, and there's like fifty to 100,000 downloads each month of this program all over the world. And that's just from one source. The problem is that 
that platform could be pulled in an instant, just vanish, without warning, gone. So I'm trying to find ways to make sure the podcast is available outside of the big tech companies, outside of the of the satanic monopolies, and also to be on shortwave and off my own servers when the time comes. We can last longer that way. I'm even working on developing a small Roku TV channel, eventually Amazon Fire, and yeah, even Apple TV. Now, there won't be a whole lot on it. You'll be able to hear the audio of this program. The service is from Trinity Chapel, and there's several others that I'm talking to about producing content to be on a totally free app. As I've said before, we will never have a paywall here. I am not selling merchandise. I've been... By the way, this bothers me. Christian ministry after Christian ministry or so-called ministries have all had their Black Friday sales and Cyber Monday save 20% and free shipping. I'm tired of the money changers in the temple doing what the world does. I mean, one ministry is selling shortwave radios. Well, you can buy them anywhere for $30 less and free shipping than from them. So I don't know why we... Why is this need to be worldly? We are in this world, but we should not be of the world. We should be doing the things of God, which means no paywall. I just don't want to do that. I don't sell books or DVDs. There's nothing inherently wrong with being paid for your labor. But to me, when you put your ministry behind a paywall, That is a bridge too far for me. Once you go behind a paywall, you are worldly. And it's all about the money, not about the ministry. Did Jesus ever go to the crowds and say, hey, I'm about to tell you something and share a parable, but you gotta, you know, fork over the cash? No. He spoke to the crowds. That's what I want to do with this radio program. But I do come to you asking for you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry so we can do the things that God has called us to do. The Bible says, St. Paul reminds the churches, make the need known unto the churches so you're not taking up a collection when I arrive. And this is for the saints. This is for the propagation of the gospel. Christians are urged to give We are required to give, but many fail to do it. And we're required to do our part. So I'm gonna ask the question, will you do your part? Will you support a ministry like Truth to Ponder and all that God has laid before me? I've been saying for quite a long time, my my prayer is, Lord, raise up a few people that not only can help us financially, but those that have time to help do the research on these programs. Maybe somebody that knows how to do video and audio editing. We can move these files around for people to help in the process. We have a very loyal following, and I'm thankful. 
If you believe in this ministry, visit the website truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com, or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. Post Office Box 510. That's P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowee, 24319. Once again, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, zip code 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The story of Warasa and the Gedeo Nation. Coming up, Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In Ethiopia, there were several million people called the Gedeo. And they worshiped a god named Magano. They believed in this god, but they spent more time appeasing an evil god named Shaitan. Kind of sounds like Satan. They believed that there was a distance between them and their god, the creator. And and so one of them one day of royal blood named Warasa prayed to Magano that he would reveal himself. And he saw a vision of two white men. And he heard a voice saying, these men will bring you a message from God. And that's how they knew God as Magano. Wait for them. Years went by, eight years passed. And and one day in December 1948, Canadian missionaries, two of them, came in a truck. And the government had given them permission to go to one town. It happened to be this one town where this man, Warasa, lived. And he was in the right place. He heard it coming. And he received them according to his vision. And he led 40,000 of his people to the Lord, to the God of the gospel. Amazing story and dramatic. But you know what? It's not, there's more than that. The gospel's filled with these stories. You see, it's written in Ephesians, God has good works prepared for you beforehand. Just like the missionaries, they came in, they had no idea how God had prepared the way. It's prepared for you to enter them. So all the more, another reason to set yourself to do God's will, because he He will prepare the way before you. He'll He'll just prepare the footsteps to bless you. It's true for the Gideo people. It was true for the missionaries and it's true for you. When you commit yourself to do his will, the ground will be prepared, the waters will open, and you'll find it was waiting for you all along to arrive. Want more? Ask for eternity in their hearts. Now, the free gift for you from the sands of Judea to the wings of the cherubim to the writings of the rabbis that prove that Jesus is the Messiah. The awesome Mystery of the Temple Doors on CD. You'll love it. And Sapphire's guarantee to bless your socks off. How do you get these gifts free? Easy. Just remember Jesus really renamed Yeshua and dial it. That's all you have to do. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed for your free gifts, but call now 1-800-YESHUA-1. And I invite you to minister with me, together bringing salvation to God's ancient people, Israel, and the unreached peoples of every nation. It's amazing. With over a billion people, Shortwave Radio, it's awesome. Farthest way you'll ever spread the gospel. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy at Box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07. 644. It's a nice Jewish boy box. 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Alechem. Walk in the path that is prepared for you, my friend, in Messiah Haderach, the way. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you back to part two of the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. A couple of things that I want to quickly share before I get into something else here. 
this coming week, I've got surgery again on Tuesday, which is always followed by a little time of recuperation. I'm not sure how extensive it's going to be. We just kind of been playing it by ear this past little over a year now, dealing with this bladder cancer. And I'm praying to have all the radio programs completed before Tuesday for this coming week, if at all possible, because I just don't know what condition I'm going to be in when everything's done, and I need to have that off my plate. I plan to be at my church every Sunday to share God's Word with my congregation, if it's at all humanly possible. And I can tell you, there have been some times over these months that it's not been that easy. But I'm going to be there because it's the most important thing that I can do. I was looking the other day at a card that came from a listener. And the card said, The Lord bless thee and keep thee, make his face to shine upon thee. Those wonderful words from the book of Numbers. And and a, just a delightful note inside that this person and her husband are praying for my health, full recovery, and restoration and is also grateful for Jim Calhoun, who's been just a marvelous help to me during this very, very difficult time. I fully appreciate more than you will ever know your prayers as we go through this process of the surgery and then the immunotherapy beginning in January. So I, I really covet your prayers. Well, Last weekend marked the end of what is called the church year. We say goodbye to a year gone by, and we now, this weekend, enter the season of Advent, the four Sundays before Christmas, the countdown to Christmas, so to speak, as we remember his first coming, the promise that Jesus made. But we also need to be mindful of his second Advent, that he is truly coming again. I delivered a message last Sunday to my congregation based upon the separation of the sheep and the goats. And what we do to others is what we are doing unto Christ. So let me take you inside the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia for that particular message. Heavenly Fathers, we come to this time that we gather around your word. Open our ears to hear our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Every time I hear that particular hymn, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, I am transported back in time to a date that occurred maybe, let's see, this is 2000. 23, so this may have been 2003, about 20 years ago. I was invited to preach at a church on the east coast of Florida, a pretty good-sized church. And I can remember when I pulled into the parking lot the day before and saw this mammoth building, its courtyards, its fellowship hall. And I walked inside, and it had something that, you know, Remember, I was still building a small church up that did grow. But that church had one of those walk-up pulpits. I mean, I want you to imagine it. Had a, it was on this side of the church, and it had a staircase. And I'm all dressed 
up in all the vestments, and these two acolytes escort me up. Now, the opening hymn that Sunday was Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. And because I was the guest and the celebrant and everything else for the service, you know, I'm in the back looking really important. As the, as the cross comes in, the book comes in, the choir comes in, the servers come in, and then I come in there like royalty. That song always reminds me that we serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. And to thy feet my tribute bring, ransom steel, seal restored, forgiven. So what does that have to do with today's sermon about sheep and goats? Ironically, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, but I am going to spend some time, on the dissertation that you hear in that when you have this situation where you have Jesus, in this case, or the king, talking about those on the left and those on the right. I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was in need, I was this, I was that, and you you weren't there to do it. And then the word comes back, but I never saw you. I never saw you hungry, Lord. I never saw you thirsty. I never saw you without clothes. I never saw you in need. So what are you getting after me for? What it came down to is, if you do it under the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. And I just want to, and a lot of people take that part of Scripture and they they try to beat you up with it. Say you're not a good person. You're, I mean, they try to make you think that that's a governmental responsibility. They try to make you think that it's the community's responsibility. The truth is, it's a personal responsibility. That's what it always has been. Sometimes we, we get to the point that we figure that well, I don't need to do any of this. I'll get, I'll hire somebody to do all the dirty work for me. Or I don't want to get involved with this person's particular problem. So rather than me getting involved, I'll get a professional. Yet part of what Jesus' dissertation in this is there are times. There are times that we need to take the initiative Now, I'm going to qualify this just a little bit, and I hope you don't take it out of context what I'm about to say. In the same era of time that I had made that trip across the other coast, my church had a nice yellow page ad. Remember those? Boy, I'm dating myself now. Yellow page ad. And because our church was an Anglican church, guess what the first church was in the phone book, in the Yellow Pages? It wasn't the Presbyterians. It wasn't the Methodists. It wasn't even the Baptist. It was us, followed by the Apostolic Assembly and the Assemblies of God. And so in any given month, as you came to the end of the month the message machine at the church started to fill up. Or if I was there, the phone was ringing. Do you all help people that have need? Yes. Well, I have a power bill due, or my rent is due, or this is due, or that is due. And, and, they, they're, and I, so, I, I hate to put it this way, they're dialing for dollars. And that's the only way to put it. 
And I always had to pray, Lord, is this somebody that I actually help? I had a pretty substantial benevolence fund I could use. And I have to pray a lot of these out. Because early on, I realized that I was giving people money, lack of experience and trying to save the world, that were using that money not for the rent, not for the power bill, but for drugs or alcohol. Learn that pretty quick. And you have to discern sometimes the best help you can give is not enabling. There's a difference between helping and enabling. I had one call, and I've shared this with my wife a number of times. It was about that time of the month again. And the phone rang. I was in the church office. It was a Wednesday, which is why I was there answering the phone instead of checking the machine. And there was this voice on the phone. And I will tell you, and Mark, I think you could identify with this having been in, in, in the ministry. Your spirit knows this one is the real deal. You don't know why, but you know, and you're listening intently. And she began to tell me her story. Her story was that her husband had walked out on her, abandoned her for another woman, and moved out of state. And left her and their six, five, six-year-old son for this other woman. And her income was not that great, and he had taken a lot of the money out of the joint account when he left. As bizarre as the story sounded, it really, the Lord is saying, pay attention, Bob. Listen really carefully to what she's saying. And I said, so what is your immediate need? And she said, it's not that much. I, I'm just a little bit shy to cover a utility bill until my next payday. And I'm going to have to find a better job because I can't support what we were paying here and my son and everything else. And so I said to her, okay, I said, she gave me the amount, and I said, I'll do a little bit better than that. And, and I'll be more than happy to get you, and I told her the amount. And, and, and she said, and I'll pay you back. I said, nope, nope, this is going to be a gift. You're not going to have to pay this one back. And so she lived about maybe 10 minutes from the church told her how to find it. She came by. I mean, you know, you could tell in her, in her, I don't want to have to do this. You could see the embarrassment. And I said, there's like nobody around to see this transaction. And here you go. And I gave her the money that I had locked away that she needed. And I said, the only thing I ask, if you ever consider visiting a church, because apparently you're not in one right now, visit our little church here. And she promised me that she would. Now, I'd heard that promise a lot in my life. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to your church next Sunday or this Sunday, whatever. I've heard it all before. Sure enough, true to her word, she and her little boy were there and happy to be there. And she approached me after the service by the way, she's one of the people be, that inspired me to use a box in the back of the church for giving 
because she kind of felt a little awkward when the plate came by. So that's why I've decided in ministry whenever I can. I just put it where it's, you know, what did the Bible say? You know, I am giving big dollars, Lord. I am praying. I do all, you know, do it in private. Do it in silence. Do it because you want to do it. And so she was there. And I figured, and I talked to her after the service, and she said, I needed to hear what she had to say today. And she was there the next Sunday. And the next Sunday, and the next Sunday after that, without fail, every Sunday. And one Sunday, we're probably a month or two down the road with her coming to church. And, you know, she had to kind of rush out because she had a job in the afternoons that she had to do. So she couldn't stick around too long. One Sunday, she came in just absolutely radiant. I mean, the sunshine in her face. She had gotten a new job using the skills that she really had trained for in life and had now not not just had a minor increase in her income, more than tripled it in one job change. And she said, you're right when you talk about God is good and God is faithful. And I realized that day that what I did on behalf of my church was be obedient to someone that was truly in need, not one that was faking a need. And you know who they are. Sure, I've been around Anderson, South Carolina, near this one shopping center. And there was always this one person with a sign looking really terrible and just like the world was going to cave in. Until I watched one day, at the end of the day, she walked away with her sign and put everything in this duffel bag and then walked way across the other side of the parking lot and got into a car that I never could afford. And then I saw her later in a restaurant that I very seldom could afford to go to, and and she's all cleaned up now. This is how she makes her living. And so we have to pray for guidance and wisdom. This is the end of the church year. We start all over again. We hit the reset switch next Sunday as we count down to Christmas. I think of the ministry that I have, especially the online ministry today. It really means a lot to me that we have this ability. And a number of people will be communing with us when we have communion shortly. The Bible says, and and this is what I want to talk about, to be a sheep and a goat. We also have to be, Jesus said you have to be as cunning as as, as a snake. Maybe as peaceful as a lamb, but you have to be as cunning as a snake. He he was warning his people. We know those that tend, how do I put this, to to ask to be enabled. And sometimes that's where it's really hard. It's, It's easy sometimes to give that person a dollar or five dollars or a ten to get them to go away. But did that really help them? I can remember from the book of Acts. Peter sees a beggar looking for the alms and help and the money and this and that and the other. Because he's, he's crippled. 
And Peter goes, silver and gold have I none, but this I give to you. Rise up and walk. That's what he really needed. Sometimes, and I'm going I'm to conclude this very quickly here. Sometimes when somebody is hungry, thirsty, needing clothes, is that what they really need? One of the hardest things in ministry is discerning a need. The woman I met at that church that, that day, whose son later on I baptized as she became a member of that church and stayed a member even after I had left. Those are the people you meet in ministry. And you you look at, Lord, thank you for using me that I could do what your word has asked me to do. And Lord, give me the wisdom by the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to discern when I really truly run across one of your least of these, my brethren or sister in need. What was that song? We, We shared it a while back. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see the Lord, but I want to see the world as he sees it. I want the eyes of God's Holy Spirit to know how to deal with certain situations that we find from time to time. We live in a world, and I'll close on this thought. Somebody shared a picture the other day on good old Facebook, and it showed three or four pictures. First picture showed a typical Black Friday shopping spree. Boy, if I get one more email, Black Friday is here. I mean, I'm going to rip, I'm going to tear my computer apart or throw it away or something. And the mobs of people. Then the other one shows a sporting event. Even in a bad snowstorm, everybody crowded in there. Yay for our, our side. And then it showed a typical church with more empty pews than full. And it just had a one-word caption. Priorities. Priorities. You know, when you think about what Jesus says in today's lesson, the separating of the sheep from the goats, who are those that are diligently trying to obey what God has for them? The sheep. Do we always, are we always perfect at it? Of course not. But we're not arrogant enough to say we don't care and we don't want to bother. It is true. Jesus is coming again. Next Sunday, we start all over. And not only do we journey to remind ourselves of his first coming at Bethlehem, but it's it serves as a stark reminder that we are in an Advent season again. We're waiting for his second coming, which he has promised to do. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these moments we've had today to share around your word. And I pray for each and every one here in this church today, those that are watching or listening on radio, that the message that I've shared will touch their hearts, grow them in faith, and bring them closer unto you. As we come in a few moments to your altar, Lord, may we be bound together as your church, the living body of Christ, 
on this earth. And all the people said, Amen and Amen. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. one of my favorite hymns, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. And I hope the message you heard that was preached at Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia was a blessing to you as well. And all that we try to share with you on this program. Sometimes I get tired of talking just about the politics and the evils that we face in our world today. It can really wear you down. That's why I started the program today with the line, stop the world, I want to get off. Because this world is going increasingly crazier and more dangerous and difficult for families to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The powers of evil and darkness are out there all over this globe. And don't think that you live in a small town that is totally immune. You're not. We are in this world, but we should not be of it. And that is why I do this radio program each and every day. That's why it goes out as a podcast on multiple sites. It goes out 
as a radio program on multiple radio stations and frequencies. And it's all because of your prayers and your faithful support. Projects like having a Roku channel to have some video and some material, some educational material for you, working with somebody right now to help develop an online or an electronics type of correspondence school to help to help parents that want to educate their children so they're not in like the Seattle school system sending woke notes to ridicule pro-family groups and support an LGBTQ agenda. We are, like I say, we are in this world, but not of it. I don't sell any merchandise on this program, even though I may put a page up to suggest where you may find a inexpensive shortwave radio that listeners have suggested, but I'm making nothing out of it. That is for your benefit. I'm called to share with you news, information, and most important, the Word of God. I am not here to run a retail establishment. It's not what I do. And I'm not going behind a paywall trying to imply that I have super secret information that only those that pay can get. I see nothing in the Bible that says that is permissible. And while the Bible does teach the workman is worth his wage, his hire, the gospel is not for sale and never will be from me. We have been on shortwave radio from the very beginning of this radio program, Truth to Ponder, three years and several months ago. We didn't start on shortwave and leave it for the lure of the internet to return with glory and grandeur and trying to get you behind the paywall. We are here doing what we've done from day one. And it's only because of your faithful prayers and your support. I'm going to ask you, now that we are in this new month of December, God has been wonderfully gracious to this ministry. And I want to thank all of you that support it. If you never have, now's a great time to start. Visit our website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com. When you get to our webpage, you have to look a little bit for the support tab on the menu. We don't have a big donate now button as the first thing you see. And there you can either see the mailing address or you can use our partner, a Christian group called Give, Send, Go, if you prefer to give online. If not, you can make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Post Office Box 510, the city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com truth to ponder shining the light of truth in a darkening world